Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Hawks Insiders Trade Safe Space for night two of the 2022 trade period. Uh, it's great to have you guys all here with us, and it looks a little bit different without Darren uh, Weesey or Ash on the control panel, uh, and without Simon and Brad. Um, those guys are observing Yong Kapoor tonight, so to, to the boys, uh, we just want to say Gamar Hatimatova to you guys and your families. So, um, but in saying that, we are geared up for a great night uh, tonight and uh, really excited to have uh, AJ, Andrew Johnson with us tonight to chat through everything that is happening and everything that isn't happening from a Hawks perspective. Um, so, Andrew, welcome, mate. Thanks, Danny. Nice to, nice to be making a cameo on another Hawthorne uh, option on Twitter for this, the other Hawthorne punters around. It's fantastic to be a part of the show tonight. Absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, the Talking Hawks boys, the uh, Hawk Talk pod boys and us, I think between the three, we've probably got everybody covered uh, for all things Hawthorne. And that's what we're all about. So um, excited to have you on, mate. Excited to get into it and excited to hear some of your opinions on uh, some of the things that um, that are happening around the, uh, the AFL and the trade space at the moment. And also uh, what the Hawks should be getting stuck into over the next uh, few days. So, um, before uh, before we get in before we get into it, um, I just want to start from the top and say this is my first time hosting uh, a podcast like this. So please, guys, bear with me, and uh, I apologise for any stuff ups or lags or anything like that. Um, we do want to get as many people um, asking questions, providing comment, uh, ranting and raving about the lack of action from the Hawks, whatever it is that's on your mind tonight. Um, AJ and I would love to hear your opinions. So just hit the request to speak and I will get to that as quickly and um, as efficiently as I can uh, and just be patient as we work through that sort of stuff. So um, there's not too much Hawk news to, to get through, but we'll, uh, we'll get stuck in and we've got plenty to talk about. So uh, AJ, straight off the bat, um, nothing from the Hawks today. It was all quiet on the Western Front. Um, thoughts on why that might be? It's a strange feeling, isn't it, getting to this time of year where we're not as active. It feels like we only had two or three iron, uh, f- irons in the fire. And the first one was Carl Amon. That's obviously the most important one. We got that done on day one. So felt like we could just sit back and, I guess, kind of survey the lay of the land a little bit for what other clubs are doing, what other clubs are thinking. And there's a couple of deals that become really interesting. And the one that stood out to me today, because we talked about the Jack Gunston situation last night, what Brisbane are going to look for in terms of a trade was Dan McStay's compensation pick being pick 35. I think everyone at Brisbane and a lot of the, a lot of those covering the trade space thought that that was going to be a bit higher up the draft order than it did end up being. So that complicates the situation with Gunston. Do they now be less likely to trade a pick that Hawthorne would really like? Or does that space change a bit so that they can accure a few more points to look at Fletcher and Will Ashcroft going forward? It's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought it up because that's what I was one of the talking points I had in my notes. Your thoughts on what this does for the Lions and the Jack Gunston trade specifically? Um, I'm with you. I thought they might get something a little bit higher, end of first round potentially. Um, they haven't, and that's going to have some sort of impact. Do you, do you have any opinion on what impact that might be? It's a weird old herbs and spices thing, isn't it, draft compensation? We never really know what's going to happen. And 
that I think it was the same with Port Adelaide and Calamon. They thought a higher pick was coming. So maybe that's the AFL's tweaked the formula a little bit this year and those picks are going to end up being a little bit lower down the order, which maybe a few people would be happy about. I know that every so often a first rounder gets handed out to a club and people say, in our case, well, we got pick 19 for Lance Franklin. How's that fair? So that's going to be interesting. Um I think I pro- I suggested last night maybe that a future third round pick from Brisbane would be around about where it sits. I think that really starts to firm as an option now that Brisbane will trade out of next year's draft instead of out of this year's draft to get Gunston over the line just to secure those extra points this year, especially with the, the change in that pick. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. And I, I actually was having a think about um, some of the machinations or some of the ways that this could play out um, over the course of the day. And maybe it even just looks like a pick upgrade um, for next year. So we trade our future third and Gunston and we get their future second or something like that in return. Um, it might it might be something we might have to grit our teeth and cop something like that just based on the fact that, like you said, they're not going to want to trade out any of the picks that they have in this year's draft because... Um, they are absolutely um, in need of as many points as they can get. So, And I don't hate that being an option of just an upgraded pick. I mean, at the end of the day, Jack's a free agent. Where we, we are lucky that there is a situation taking place where Brisbane do need those points, so they've chosen to go the trade route instead of the free agency route this year. Um, it's happened a couple of times in the past few seasons. Hawthorne did the same thing. They traded for Kyle Hardigan one year so that they... Um, wouldn't have Adelaide's uh, compensation pick impacted. So we're kind of getting used to that being the way that clubs are handling these situations. Absolutely. Dave, you've got a, a question or a comment, mate? Question. Can someone please explain the point system to me? Because it's trying to work light work out the Duck Lewis, Duckworth Lewis system. I'm telling you. <laughs> How the hell do you work out who's got what points? And because I saw the list the other day and some mobs got four thousand, we got two thousand nine hundred. How does the point system, or what's the basics behind it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's only a 30-minute pod tonight, Dave, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a little bit. Um, so the every every draft pick has a point allocation attached to it. Obviously, the pick number one is the highest points, and then it works its way down as you, the further down you go, with some of the later picks having no points attached to them at all. So... It depends on the, I guess the the amount of picks you have, the the um how high those picks are, and that's that's how we determine the points levels that each club has. So I'm nice and prepared for this, boys. I've actually got the table in front of me. Good man, that's for good, yeah. this year. So there is a curve that goes down with the draft picks. Unsurprisingly, the curve starts to flatten as things go on. Pick one is your max. That's about three thousand. That is exactly three thousand points. From pick 74 onwards, there's no points associated. So if you look at the Brisbane situation today, we were thinking maybe 25, 26. That would have been 756 points. By getting three uh, pick 35, they dropped down to 522. So that's immediately a lot of points that they need to occur in order to match what they were looking for. Thanks, boys. Apologies, guys. Too easy. Thanks for that, David. Um, Paddy, you've got a question, mate. On the Jack Bow situation, I wonder if having, like, Dingley started construction, if that would have helped the Hawks instead of having to have him to a Waverley. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for your question and comment, Patrick, and apologies. I just dropped out for a second there. Um, I, look, I don't think so. I think they would have talk, talked as they were touring Waverley about the plans for Dingley. Um, Dingley's still a way off. I don't think that's going to be a selling point to, um, you know, people that we're bringing in too much. Um, there's nothing to show at this stage, so there's nothing to tour. So they, they would have they would have talked to him about what their plans are and shown him the slideshow and stuff like that. And you know, as impressive as as it is, I think maybe where you're um, you're heading with that question, Patrick, is it would be great to actually see some work being done at Dingley. Um, but I don't think that's a that's the thing that gets somebody like a, a Jack Bowes over the line for the Hawks. I think they'd be more promoting their culture that Mitchell's um, implemented since he's taken over, um, you know, the salary that they're going to offer him, uh, the playing time and the opportunity that he'd have in a midfield like the Hawks comparatively to maybe some of the other opportun- options that he has. Uh, but thank you for your question, Patrick. I do agree that that's probably how it, it starts to face up to Bose is that if you're selling him right now, you're selling him the opportunity more than anything. Yeah, I mean, he's coming from Metricon. Metricon has better facilities at the moment than Waverley do. Hawthorne have invested a lot in Waverley, obviously, but that's now a, what, it's a 16, 17-year-old facility. So it's actually starting to fall down to one of the lower ones in the competition. You sell him on the fact that here is what's going to happen, particularly if Tom Mitchell does end up leaving here is what your midfield minutes are going to be like. Here's what your opportunity is to actually be playing regular senior football on a weekly basis. Yeah, you're spot on. I think that's, I think that's a perfect summation, Patrick, and I hope that answers your question, mate. Nick, you've got a question too, mate. Yeah, g'day, guys. Doing a good job, Danny. Thank you, mate. Um, with the rumours today that um, Tip and Woody could be going to Frio, um, could we maybe revisit the Lockie Schultz Maybe try and have another crack at him coming to us next year. Um, maybe with Meek in a package. What are your thoughts? That's actually that's actually not a bad idea. I'd love to hear what uh, what what Andrew thinks about that one. AJ, your thoughts? Uh, I'm biased. I absolutely love Lockie Schultz. Um, in my previous job in the newspaper up in Moama, I regularly covered him because he's from Moama. I think that's a real. I really like that idea, Nick. I think. It would be hard to get him. He played, I reckon, every game for Fremantle this year. He polled votes in the Brownlow. He played a really good season. It'd be a really hard one to pry around, but I don't I don't mind that idea of looking at a club like that and saying, well, if he's if AMT does end up there, that maybe there is the possibility of prying someone else away in the meek trade. Yeah, I think the creativity there, the way that you're thinking there, Nick, is a, is is perfect. And it's where the Hawks should be looking. Um, because they've got to they've got to get better through lots of different means, and if Frio are hell bent on a future second round pick for for Lloyd Meek, then we make them cough up something a little bit more um, to make it worth our while too. Look, I think probably ultimately it probably just ends up as a as a future third round pick uh, for Meek, but um, hey, if we could get Schultz and Meek for a future future second, that I'd be all over that, um, and I think most Hawks supporters would agree. Thanks for that, uh, Nick. That was that was a really good uh, contribution. Appreciate it. While we're on Make, incidentally, Danny, you and I spoke about this earlier today, and I wanted to throw one to you and then throw it open to the floor as well. There's a lot of talk today about Geelong softening their stance on Asaba Radigalea, who obviously is struggling to get a game at Geelong, is really highly rated within the Cats internally, it seems, but just can't crack into the side. And 
the club has initially said no, he's a required player, but they're now kind of open to having a look at that discussion. If Hawthorne is looking at a third ruckman, does Radigalea suddenly become someone that they start to put a little bit of time into? It's um, it's a it's a good question. I, I guess, and I mean, this has probably been consistent a consistent theme for me over the course of the year. When everybody, whenever anybody talks about what um, players we should have, we should be chasing, is is depends on the price. If somebody like Radigalea is available as a backup option and we don't have to pay much at all, it's throwing away a future force or something like that. And if the meek one doesn't get over the line. I don't have any issue with that. I, I'm not a huge um, Radagalia fan, but I know that he is very versatile because he's played a little bit up front, bit in the ruck. I think Geelong have been playing him in the back line in the second half of this year um, and could potentially, you know, be a bit of a swing man. So although I'm not his biggest fan, um, I probably wouldn't completely rule out um, Radagalia if we, as a, as a backup option, if we weren't able to get uh, Meek over the line like we want to. Is that kind of what you're thinking? It is to an extent. As you said, I really like his versatility. I think that's something that really becomes handy. The problem is I don't think Geelong's willing to part with him for a lower pick, which obviously makes the conversation immediately less likely to happen. But it's just an interesting one when you see a name like that thrown up that you think, oh, I wonder. No, it's a it's a good shout, and um, definitely things that the Hawks and Mark McKenzie, especially in his list team, um, they've got to be considering every every single opportunity that comes past their door. So um, we'll keep our eyes on the Radaglia situation. I, my feeling is that he ends up staying at Geelong and plays majority in their BFL next year. Uh, Ivan, you've got a question, mate. Hey, Danny, how are you, mate? Um, yeah. No issue either way. The Radaglia again. I'm like a bit like you, not a not a massive fan. But question: If we don't get Bowles, do you reckon? I now I read something yesterday. Do you reckon we have a crack at Taron Thomas from the Kangaroos? All right. So my thoughts on Taron Thomas are that he is an incredibly talented player, but his attitude sucks. And I don't know if in the stage of the development that we're in. And considering how much North would want, because they just can't afford to lose all their top-end talent, I just can't see how we could do a deal that's favourable to us um, to get him across to the Hawks. Um, do I think he could flourish in, a, in the right environment? Absolutely. Um, but I just don't know whether the right environment right now for us is ha- bringing somebody with noted attitude problems uh, into it into the mix at the Hawks. And um, you know, I think, I think if we were sort of a bit further down the, the line towards uh, premiership success or challenging for a premiership, then that would be the sort of play you drop a first-round pick in the mid-teens for to bring across and go, this guy could be anything because his ceiling is so high. Uh, but for us right now, I feel like probably the Kangaroos would want a mid-first-round mid pick and, uh, and we're not about to get go and get one just to give it up. I don't think if we get a pick like that, I think we want to be taking it to the draft. Reading in the Herald Sun earlier today, there's also there's questions around whether Thomas does leave North Melbourne. He hasn't requested a trade as yet, and there's a little bit of wondering if he might even request a trade at all or if he's actually pretty happy to stay at North, all things considered. There's also talk about Sydney being an option because he has family there. I know Taz is a Tasmanian and a lot of his family is down there, but he has got family in Sydney as well. So Sydney have been doing a little bit of 
groundwork that was reported in the Herald Sun around that trade as well. Yeah, thank you for your question, uh, Ivan. Appreciate it, mate. And I'm sure you'll have more as we get closer and closer or through trade period and into the draft. I know you're a very passionate man when it comes to those areas. What we'll do, um, and we thank you guys for your questions uh, and keep them coming, please. If you've got anything you want to talk about, request to speak. I'll get you on and we'll, we want to hear as many voices as we can tonight. Um, I just want to run through what actually happened today so that we're across um, everything from the trade and and free agent point of view. So this morning, um, or the, just into this afternoon, Fremantle traded Blake Akers to Carlton for its future third round selection. I want to get, AJ, I want to get your thoughts on this one, mate. There's a bit of chat um, on uh, on Twitter and in social media around the price that the Blues have um, been able to pay or give up um, to pick up Blake Akers. What are your thoughts, mate? Absolute steal. I think you and I, I think you and I have the exact same opinion on this, Danny. That's an absolute steal for Carlton. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think um, you know to be able to get somebody like that um, who can contribute straight away in a side as good as Carlton's. That's they're the sorts of trades. Look, Blake Akers isn't a Brownlow medalist. He's never going to be a Brownlow medalist. But um, I, I reckon Freo have done themselves a disservice by offering him the contract that they did when they did then clubs knew that they were going to be able to get him in on the cheap and just pay him a bit more money, and they'd turn his head quickly. So, And Carlton put themselves in the position where they don't need a Brownlow medalist because, one, they have one. That, that Paddy the Cruz is a relatively actually. good footballer. Um, but look at the way they've started to build their midfield in the last couple of years. And this this is – I'm not saying Carlton has an elite midfield by any stretch quite yet, but when you've got Cripps and Walsh and Newman and Chera and guys like that, all coming into that mix and really contributing straight away. A guy like Akers, he's not going to be your first frontline midfielder, but he's another option that continues to build on that midfield. Absolutely. And I think I think if you have a look at the good clubs, and I'm not calling Carlton a good club, that's on record for you, Brad, uh, but they're on their way to doing what the Hawks did uh, before the 3 P years, where they went and cherry-picked players got them at a cheaper price because they were sort of halfway or in the back end of their careers and turned them into really good footballers in a great system with great players around them because they were able to bring in role players who knew their role and played their role well. So I, I reckon the Acres one's an absolute steal like you. And uh, and I think, um, yeah, Carlton have done a, a cracking job there. Uh, the next one that went through today was the uh, paperwork for Dan McStay. Now, we've talked a little bit about that. Um, I think um, McStay is a, a solid pickup for the Pies. Um, do you have any strong thoughts on whether McStay vastly improves Collingwood's list or not? I, I, I don't. Um, he's another one of those players that, for me, feels like a really good addition, but not a great one. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think maybe, um, probably, maybe a slight improvement on my check or about the same sort of level as my check. So um, not really turning them into premiership favourites or anything like that, but it gives them a solid option and he can swing back too, which which helps. Uh, your favourite and mine um, was the unrestricted free agent signing of Liam Jones back to the Bulldogs, back where it all started. Uh, and they've given, they've given him another shot at redemption. There's something uh, nice about that, isn't there, with a, a guy ending up back at his original club. The Trent Crowe feelings. Trent Crowe vibes. It's a yeah. nice vibe. It's a nice vibe. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do with all these tall players, if, especially the dogs if they get 
if they manage to twist Frio's arm and they get Rory Lobb over the line as well, they have a plethora of tall forwards and defenders. And uh, I don't know how they fit them all into team, but that's a good problem to have. The Dogs definitely had a problem with their defence at stages through this year. And I mean, a guy like Alex Keith, who is still being relied on as a really important cog in that back line. He's not getting any younger anytime soon. Ironically, neither for Liam Jones. I think Liam's 32 or 33 at this point. Yeah. But when if the Bulldogs are serious about contending to be back into premiership contention in the next couple of years, they probably do need that extra player that's going to strengthen up that back line. So that feels like a good get for them. It's Liam's just such a weird situation with how he left Carlton and why he left Carlton and then to end up back in the AFL system at a different club a year later. It just, it feels a bit weird. It is a bit weird. And I want to throw a little bit of an extra layer of weirdness on top of that. Carlton get a round three selection currently sitting at 49 for losing Liam Jones, even though they lost him a year ago. Um, so that's and the Blues, idea. if I'm not mistaken, they've gone. To, they went to the AFL not long after Jones had to leave the comp and said, "Well, when are you going to compensate us for this? Because we didn't choose to let Liam go. You made that happen." Yeah, and and look, they've got a third round pick out of it, which I'm sure they'll use to go and get the next Blake Akers or something like that. So I think uh, I think it's a win for the Bulldogs, but I, I'd suggest. Carlton didn't have him in their plan, so that's a, a pick for nothing. So um, And at 33-34, and Carlton's back line was relatively relatively good this year, especially when they started to give Mitch McGovern a bit more time in the defence. Yeah. Um, that's probably a win for Carlton too, I think. I, I would say. He doesn't really fit with their timeline anymore, so that's a win. Uh, and then uh, the last trade that went through this afternoon or this evening was uh, the D's getting a little bit funky with pick swaps with Port Adelaide, and Port love their pick swaps. Um, Melbourne trading its round two selection, currently 33. It's round three selection, uh, 43, and it's round three selection, 53, all of the threes there, to Port Adelaide for its round two selection, 27. On the surface of this one, it looks an ordinary trade if you're Melbourne, um, but they did come out and say that they had no plans to use 43 or 53. Um, and I believe that pick 27 that they've received from Port Adelaide won't stay with them either. I think that's um, pretty widely speculated that it's going to head to, to um, Collingwood as part of the Brody Grundy deal. Thoughts on that one, AJ? Yeah, pick swaps, they're a hard one to really get your head around, aren't they? They're just... It feels like silly buggers a lot of the time. Um, I, I think, as you said, with the Brody Grundy situation, makes it important. So that's that's all you can really read into it. Yeah, and I think also it makes it's important for Port Adelaide too because they get, um, you know, they get thirty three and forty three, and that might be enough if those two are combined to bring in Junior Rioli from the Eagles. So um, there's probably um, a little bit, you know, for, for a bit of a win for both teams in that one. Um, we also had one other that was, uh, to our understanding, and this is how it was reported by AFL.com.au, that was agreed on but hasn't been processed yet, which is Griffin Logue and yes, Darcy, Darcy Tucker, Tucker going yep. to North Melbourne for, I think it was a third and a fourth? A uh, second and a third. And right, sorry, yep, Logue, tu- Logue Tucker and a third for a second, a third and a fourth. There we yep. are. And, uh, and pretty much for free then for the Roos because... Those are the two um, compensation picks that they got from the AFL for not being a good football team. So um, to convert those two picks to Griffin Logan, Darcy Tucker, I'd say they'd 
probably them and the AFL would be pretty happy with that. Wouldn't you and think? that's how the, that's how picks like that, without getting too heavily into the how a competition should be run. That's how picks like that should be used. I think absolutely. If you're, if you're giving them out as well, we're trying to shore you up a little bit more. They should be used to trade for players who can maybe add something to your team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the last thing that you want to give is the draft concessions that the AFL gave to the Gold Coast back in the day, which just made them younger and younger and younger and uh, and made it harder and harder for them to keep the players that they want. So um, we do have a couple of questions here in the, um, in the chat. Um, the Doc has asked, does pick 27 from Port to the Ds and then to the Pies as part of the Grundy deal do the Pies offer that to the Hawks for Tom Mitchell? And I'm glad you brought that up, Doc, because um, I had thought that that might be the case. And then I saw Tom Brown reporting it, so I thought maybe I'd, I'd lost my mind. Um, but, Andrew, what are, you, what are your thoughts on 27? I think probably my gut feel tells me that the Pies will think that that's a bit too much. But maybe if we offer um, Guns, uh, Mitchell and a, a future third or something like that for 27, we might be able to twist their arms later in the trade period. I was reading a little bit. I didn't listen to it, but I read a bit of what Gary Lyon had to say on SEN this morning regarding Mitchell and the fact that he signed his contract just after the Brownlow year. So Tom's making a fair crust at Hawthorne. Rightly so, might I? I don't, I'm more than happy for him to be paid what he's being paid. But I think if 27 gets involved, that becomes a portion of his salary probably being picked up by Hawthorne. And I'm okay with that if that's how we do it. I would like them to sit on that quite a while because my mind on whether that's a good deal or not will very much come down to the Blake Akers situation. I don't want to be giving up a ready-made midfielder and a guy who's contributed so much to Hawthorne over his few years here until we know a bit more about what our midfield mix is going to look like next year, personally. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, Danny. That's just where I sit. Yeah, it's a, it, uh, it's a good it's a good point. I, I probably stand more on the looking at uh, young player development side and Mitchell only really proving that he can only really play in the guts um, in order to be effective uh, probably gets in the way of midfield minutes that I want to see be given to, you know, on top of Jai Newcomb, Gillamore next year and Josh Ward and Connor McDonald. I'd like to see him roll Sam Butler through the middle eventually. I'd like to see Ned Long get a crack and hopefully whoever our top draft pick is is a midfielder and that, that player gets a gig as well. And not to mention you've got James Warfel coming back yeah. from injury and hoping to recapture his form of the last couple of years as well. And uh, we, we make this comparison so often, Mitchell and Warfel are seemingly the same player at different points in their career. Is Warple going to be a Brownlow medalist? Probably not, but that kind of player is very comparable. So Mitchell probably putting that block in the way of developing Warple even further. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, um, look, I, I think like a lot of Hawks fans, I've tempered my excitement with Warple after 2019 when he won the best and fairest. I think we all thought, uh, here we go. We're going to develop this elite midfield and he's just gone off the boil uh, since then. And I mean, last year was a was a just a shocking year for the for the bloke, and you just you feel really bad for him. But you hope you hope that he can make a, a Lazarus like comeback. And um, it has and... some it has some Ryan Burton vibes to it almost. That Burdo, obviously, the year he came second to McGrath and the Rising Star, we all thought we've got the guy of the future at this club. And then in 2018, I believe it was, it just it didn't come together at all. 
and he ended up not at the club at the end of the year. And obviously, that's not. There's other factors there with the Wingard trail on how that played out. But and watch what Ryan's gone on to do since. Ryan's turned himself into a really, really good player at Port Adelaide. Absolutely. Are you saying there's a curse of the number five, uh, AJ? Um, I mean, historically, it hasn't. It has had a little bit of a curse at our football club. We've only had one guy since who's really started. Like Andy Collins' best football was before he was number five. Dan Harford, arguably the same position. Sam's the only guy who's really been able to make it work. Mm. No, absolutely. I think. Look. I think we'll all be hoping and, and, and wishing for a uh, James Warple redemption tour next year where he comes out and proves all the doubters wrong. And um, But in order to do that, we can't have Tom Mitchell in our, in our squad because the minute those two are trying to play in the same team, that's where we end up in trouble because they play the same role and they have the same deficiencies. And I don't think we can carry two of the same player effectively in, in the same team. So um, I guess we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, is there any other question, any other um, things or players you think we should consider or discuss before we wrap it up tonight? And before you jump in, Andrew, um, last call for questions. If anybody is uh, keen to ask or make a comment or jump on, now's your chance. Um, love to have a few more opinions, and we're happy to go over a little bit um, if there are questions to be taken. Uh, but, uh, Andrew, you got any other players or any other little bits of tidbits that you want to talk about before we start to wrap it all up? We talked about this earlier in, in our chat, Danny, and I want to throw this open to the floor and see what they think. I really want Hawthorne to put a little bit of a look into Quinton Narkel after he was delisted by Geelong. I'm not saying that he's the future superstar of the side or anything, but I'd be interested in at least kicking the tyres a little bit there. Yeah, and what is it about Narkel for you, mate, that um, that makes him an interesting prospect? There's a bit of flair there, which I really like. And we've just been talking about how we have a number of players in our midfield who are very similar. And Narkel, I think, adds a little bit more spark and a bit more flair that we don't always have around that place. And he can obviously push a little bit forward as well if he needs to. So I, I, I just like, I'm not investing a huge amount. That's a, a delisted free agency pick, I believe if it yep. were to come off, but it, it's just a nice thing to have a quick kick of the tyres, I think. Yeah, I think, look, I think I'm not, I think Quentin Arkell's not going to change your uh, your premiership trajectory or anything like that, but um, if if we aren't able to bring in the players that we're looking to bring in in trade period, and uh, Mackenzie's talked about having sort of four picks at the draft, if we can get um, four quality draft picks to take to the draft and we've still got a spot available on our list, I'd consider uh, somebody like Quinton Narkel or Eli Smith or um, somebody like that as a, another midfield option who can just come in, even if it's over pre-season, and um, potentially jump on as a um, supplement, a supplement list player um, and just see how they go through pre-season, see how they fit into the, the squad and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's no commitments there, is there? And you can just, um, you know, put them through their paces and see if they're up to it or not. I mean, I think... The, the thing we've seen, though, with the players that don't quite make the grade at Geelong is even the ones that have gone to other clubs, and I, uh, there's a couple that have gone up to the Gold Coast, they've struggled there as well. So there's a reason they're not quite making it. And um, if the With the pass- exception of, and his name is eluding me, he plays for Brisbane now. Best mates with Lockie Neal. I apologise, his name. Oh, Lincoln McCarthy. Lincoln McCarthy, thank you. He's completely eluding me for a second there. 
Yeah, but Lincoln McCarthy also, the Cats didn't want to lose him. He just wanted to go up there because he couldn't get fit in Geelong and just needed a change of, change of scenery. So um, I think uh, I think he's, he's, he is one, you're absolutely right, that's gone on to flourish up there. But I, I think he's probably a slightly different case in that they didn't move him on. He sort of asked to leave. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Um, uh, another comment from Doc in the in the Twitter chat. Uh, he said, um, "Sam Sam Wiedemann, what are your thoughts on him? He, apparently, he's a chance to leave. Is he worth a look to partner Lewis?" It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, that depends. Are, are you committed? I'll put this to you, Dan. Do you see Jacob Kaczynski as a key forward in this side for the next ten years? Uh, I'm on the fence with that one. I actually put it. Oh, look, I'll frame. I'll frame the question this way. Um, I'll frame my answer this way. I would rather invest the time in Kaczynski than I would in bringing over Wiedemann to play in the Kaczynski role. Yeah, I'm, that's how I feel. That in saying that, I'm not convinced Kaczynski is going to be the man. Um, I think he's a solid contributor. Uh, I think he has the potential to kind of play. At this stage, I see his career sort of playing out like uh, Tim Boyle's played out, where you know we thought he could be quality, but he kind of his body got in the way of that. Um, Kaczynski was asked to do too many different things. I think he's a simple player that plays a simple game. What I liked about his game the year before this year was it was just see ball, attack the ball, attack the bodies that are in the way of him and the ball and bring the ball to ground and don't lose a contest. I and... think as well that what's what will be interesting with Cozzy going forward is that there's a bit less pressure there. We, when we didn't think Mitch Lewis is going to come on, and we can all, I think we can all put our hands up and say we probably started to lose hope that Mitch Lewis was going to come on there for a bit. Cozzy yep. um, became far more important now that Mitch Lewis has had the year that he's had. It takes the pressure off Jacob to develop as fast as we were looking at. He's not going to be... We're not in a window to contend right now, so maybe by the time that we are, he has pushed his game forward into that position. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of like where he's at right now. He's actually done more in his career to date than Ruffy had in his career at the same point. So I think Ruffy um, was still a defender at this point, wasn't he? He might he might have been. And look, that's not that's not saying that he's going to go on and have the same career as Jared Rufford. We, I think we can all sort of put our hands up and see that he doesn't have that level of ability. But um, I think it's a, it's a need to preach patience on these young key tools who just take a bit of time. Whether it's Jacob Kaczynski, the proof's in the pudding with Mitch Lewis. If you wait, you can be rewarded. So I, I think I'd rather, I appreciate the thought, Doc, but I think I'd rather give the time to Cozzy to try to, you know, two couple more years to try to really grab that second key forward spot. Um, and if he doesn't, I think in the meantime, we try to draft another key forward. And, and look, it probably takes us to wrapping it up. Um, we're just out of reach of that gun key forward in the draft. I think um, if we were in the top five and Cadman was av- Aaron Cadman was available, he would absolutely be a player I would be looking to take uh, with a top-end pick, even considering our midfield deficiencies because... He's the sort of perfect hybrid second forward who could even overtake Lewis, but moves around like a bit more like Jeremy Cameron, finds the ball, uses it well, and takes big pack marks. And it's the perfect sort of foil 
that we need to try to find in coming years to to complement what Mitch Lewis does um, and and does really really well. All right. Well, I think on that note, we might uh, wrap up our Tuesday night trade safe space. Thank you, AJ, for coming on and uh, giving me a hand, mate. It was great to hear your opinions. Really appreciate that. And uh, don't be a stranger. Jump on again uh, again soon. Thanks um, very much for having me, Danny. I appreciate your time. No worries at all. Thank you, guys, for your questions, for your comments, and for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, myself tomorrow night, and we'll have a couple of guests. I might even pull AJ back in tomorrow if he's not doing anything. And um, we will back. And hopefully by tomorrow, we'll have a bit of, bit of news on Jack Bowes and what he plans to do. He might be touring a few other facilities or... Or alternately, it might be a very short conversation it, tomorrow. It, 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 could, it, could be, it could be the shortest conversation of all time. We never wanted you anyway, Jack Bowes. We're, <laughs> um, we're only interested in the other draft pick. We don't yeah, ever want you. <laughs> absolutely. So we'll, we'll be back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Thank you, everybody, for listening and have a great evening.